Now in year number six, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Everybody sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I do hope you'll share it with your friends and family. Cheers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 312 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels, coming to you from rainy Sandusky, Ohio. Thanks for checking out this episode. This is the 15th in my previews for 2024. And in just a moment, I'm going to be joined by Jonathan Walsh from the Don the Stat podcast. And we're going to be previewing his Essendon Bombers for 2024. Now, don't forget that if you are interested in having your local footy club getting a shout out during an upcoming episode, reach out to me over my website at yankonthefooty.com. Let me know about your club. Love being able to give a shout out. Also, while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. If you're enjoying the show, leave a five-star review. That'd be a huge help as well. Get on the mailing list so that when new episodes come out, they'll be in your inbox right away. Now, before I uh, get too far into the episode, I did want to uh, give a quick shout-out to arguably my favorite Essendon supporter. And uh, I want to, you know, even though I'm here in Ohio and and he's not here, he lives in Australia, but I did want to welcome home Harper Pestinger uh, from his long journey over the last year plus. Uh, I did see that his parents did post that he's uh, back home after having spent well over a year traveling throughout the world. And Harper, I'm sure you're going to have some fantastic stories. I'm going to have to get you on here so you can share some of those stories. I'm going to want to hear them. That's the geography degree in me speaking out here. So glad you're home safely and uh, good on you, sir. And cannot wait to hear more about your adventures. Now, today's club of the episode are the Murabit Blues of the Golden Rivers Football League. And the club was founded back in 1947. And I think their history actually goes back further than that. But I believe their association with this league really began in 1947. And since they've, since they've been in this league, they've captured 12 premierships at the senior level. And... You know, researching this town a little bit here, Murabit is about 300 kilometers north of Melbourne, right along the uh, Murray River. And the town has a population of just a little over 200 people. So very, very small area. And this is, again, one of those clubs that uh, when you look at it, it's it's the hub around which that community um, is focused. And it's just, it's awesome to see this. Uh, they open up there. Uh, 2024 fixture on the road on April the 20th, squaring off against the defending premiers, the Hayes, the Hay Lions. Uh, now they do play their their games at the Murabit Recreation Reserve, their home the uh, for their home opener the following week. And reading reading through their social media, uh, it looks like they've added some terrific players from several areas throughout Australia to their list for 2024. And I want to wish the Blues the absolute best of luck. I like their logo; it's a really sharp looking logo. And I was looking at. Uh, some of their gear online as well and really sharp looking polo shirt and absolutely love the the simplicity but it was just a really sharp looking hooded sweatshirt that they had as well so um i want to wish again the blues the absolute best as we uh as we get into 2024 here so let's go ahead and jump into my chat with jonathan from the don the stat podcast all right ladies and gentlemen we are joined by or i should say i am Thrilled to be joined by my guest for our Essendon preview, and uh, I am joined by Jonathan or John O. Walsh from the Don the Stat podcast. He's one of the two hosts of this, if I'm not mistaken. So, John O., how are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, myself and, and Ian are behind Don the Stat. We started that in 2022, but yeah, real pleasure to to sit down today and, and have a chat with you. 
Now, based upon what I was reading, am I correct that you at one time did did statistics work or worked for the club itself? Yeah, I did. It was a while ago now. I, I grew up in an Essendon family and, and my okay. dad uh, was a, a statistician at, at Essendon back when uh, it was still pen and paper. And I, uh, when that moved to sort of a, a more analytical role and, and digital and computers mm-hmm. and software came into place, uh, yeah, I, I got an opportunity when I was still in high school actually to get involved in that and and that then evolved into an opportunity to work at the club full-time during a pretty successful era back when uh, we were a really good football side and, and winning finals and uh, and then, yeah, stayed on for, for a number of years thereafter. So I think 15 seasons all up, I was involved wow. at the club in one way, okay. shape or another. Yeah. So, so when you were doing statistics, and I've watched a couple videos of some of the people who are, you know, announcing things who are just doing the stats that they're not, they're they're not broadcasting the game. They're simply getting the statistics down. You've got, I've seen where they've got the one person with the binoculars glued to their forehead and the other person typing things on the computer, that type of, you know, it's, you know, it's a handball from Smith to Jones, you know, to Jones, you know, a, you know, a tackle from Johnson or whatever the case may be. And, and they're just, they're doing it in rapid fire succession. Now, were you were you doing that during the course of the game, or would you go back and and do the stats after the game and watching on a video? Yeah, no. So so in my dad's era, it, it was that that they'd have a, a what they call a caller and a recorder, mm-hmm. uh, one for each team, and and it was pen and paper. But when I started, Champion Data had just started to work across the AFL, and Essendon was actually one of the first clubs that that piloted their software. So. Champion Data was doing that and providing that straight into the the coach's box, uh, you know, via a, a you know network connected PC. So my job was actually more to interpret and analyze the data that was coming through, and okay. and also overlay that with vision so that the coaches could then during the game or at at quarter time, half time, three quarter time breaks actually provide detailed analysis to players wow. uh, with a with a particular eye on things that were were related to you know our game plan or team rules or specific mm-hmm. key performance indicators that were important to the club at the time. Okay, I mean and that that is fascinating because you you know when when you really stop and think about it that you had you know as a as a fan of the club as a supporter of the club you played a a significantly integral role in the success of the club because they were reliant upon people like you to, to get them the proper information that's been interpreted the way that they want it to help them go out and be as successful as, as, as they can possibly be. So I mean, that is it hard as a, as a supporter of said club to be analyzing that or because you, you can't divest yourself from your job and celebrate, you know, the, you know, a specific goal or a great, you know, a, you know, great specy or whatever the case may be, you've got to, you've got to stay dead serious on the job. So how did, how did you balance all of that? Yeah. The first time I sat in the coach's box, I was still only, I'm not sure I'd turned 15 yet, or, or if I had, I'd, wow. I'd only just turned 15. So uh, yeah, it, it, it was a, a real pinch yourself moment. And uh, so, and yeah, I, I was then obviously at the club for 15 years. So I, I didn't really, um, experience a typical fan experience until I was an adult and I did find that adjustment really hard my my mates that I grew up with weren't particularly big 
football fan. So they didn't really like talking footy about me and uh, sorry, not about me, footy with me because I was sort of talking about it in a different way to, to most people. So yeah, it, it, it was a, a bit of a, an adjustment uh, in life after football for me, but I th- and I think that's another reason Don the Start uh, came about. Uh, you know, Ian's. Uh, uh, you know, we met separate to to football. We we actually played cricket together and okay. and and became friends that way. But he has a sim a similar sort of mind to mine when it comes to sport and and analytics. And and we built a connection there. And then we were just kind of looking for our own tribe, right? We we wanted to share the way that we talk about football with with other people, which. Uh, yeah, we've been able to do and and built a, a really great community around that, and it's it's been a whole lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, I, I just think the whole the whole idea of of doing that at such a young age is is fascinating. And it, did you the assistant coaches and such that were up in the box? I mean, I'm sure they they knew your father because your father had been doing this, but did they? Did they look at you and it's like, what is it? Take take your kid to school. Take your take your kid to work every game. <laughs> what is, you know, before they realize yeah. that you know this young man knows what he's doing and, and he's really valuable to us. It it. I mean, I was lucky to be at the right place at the at the right time and and mm-hmm. have my my dad's history at the club as well that that really really helped. But you know, we I was I was involved at the club in an era where. Uh, you know, technology was new and, and you had a group of people, i.e. the coaches who, uh, you know, grew up in a world without computers and, and without tech. So, you know, they didn't know how to use it. But we also had a coach at the time uh, in Kevin Sheedy, who was a real innovator and was always looking for ways to to find an edge. So he was prepared to get behind not necessarily me initially, but uh, but the concept of, of trying to find ways to to improve uh, uh, you know what we were doing as a football club, and and then I was lucky to to work alongside some assistant coaches who really supported me and mentored me. And uh, uh, you know, I I was the lucky person in the hot seat because I was you know right place, right time. But really, it was just it was more so that the coaches pioneering a way to continue to to push the the standards and and the innovation levels at the club and and try and find new ways to to get an edge. And I think that's probably something that's disappeared from the club. Uh, more recently, but but perhaps starting to come back now is is find you know the right ways uh, right. to to find to find an edge and and improve. So, you know, you know, as you mentioned, you know, that coming about the ways to innovate and that sort of thing and improve. Um, how pleased were you with Brad Scott's first year as the as the the leader of this club? Yeah, I. Essendon's had a a, a, a sort of a, a fragmented uh, history of going one way or the other in terms of bringing people in either with Essendon experience or without. So I think what, uh, uh, you know, if you look back at the Knights era who came in past Shetty, there was a real, well, at least it seemed that we really wanted to almost rid ourselves of traditional Essendon people and traditional Essendon thinking and, and just completely put a broom through the place and, and start afresh. And and that didn't work. And, and all it did was ultimately disenfranchise, uh, you know, the, the Essendon community and past players and 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 the like. And then uh, the Herd and Thompson era, and, and, you know, we won't delve on the, on the saga, uh, but I think they went too far the other way. It was bring 
you know, get the band back together, bring all the old Essendon and thinking, and, and perhaps we just didn't move on um, enough to to adapt to the modern game. I think what Brad Scott has done well in his first year was sit back and take a look at the place, not come in and try and make too many changes too quickly, understand the uh, – I think he's got a good affinity and understanding of the fans and how they feel in regards to what we've been through over the last two decades and some of the scars, but at the same time bringing in a, a really good combination of Essendon people who were proud and understanding of Essendon's history and the good parts of it, and then people from other clubs and even other sports who have you know, value and experience and ideas that they can bring. And, and I think he's done a good job to bring those two elements together. Well, I was just, I was just looking through the list of the, of the coaches and, you know, on the uh, AFL tables website and, you know, Bomber Thompson, you know, since Kevin Sheedy was there, Bomber Thompson is the only coach the club has had who has had a winning record overall. And, and he was there just the one season, you know, kind of, and picking up the pieces after things took place. Um, you know, it's, yeah. You know, do you think had he been given more and I, before we go into, you know, the future here, do you think, had he been given more time, do you think Ben Rutten would have turned this club around or do you think he was probably not going to be the, the, the right guy to actually lead this club into finals and into success in the future? I think Ben Rutten did a really good job of embracing Essendon history uh, and and trying to welcome past players back to the club and past coaches back to the club and mm-hmm. uh, and and make the hangar our our sort of newish facility feel more like Essendon. It, it was kind of <laughs> originally it was like an airport hangar, right? It it looked like that. It felt like that. It, it was cold and 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 no real emotive attachment to the club. I think he did a good job of starting to change that. I think the reality is we don't really know what type of coach he was and, and how good he he could or 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 should have or would have been. We just didn't have the right structure and support around a, a first-time coach. And, and I think that's evident with the changes that Brad Scott has made and, and some of the people that he's brought in. So you've got a guy who's got, you know, a, a long playing history, 10 years of experience as a senior coach, and then worked in, you know, various roles within football either side of that. Uh, and he he could recognise that he needed strong people around mm-hmm. him with with skill sets that he didn't have. We've bolstered uh, player development significantly. We've bolstered recruiting significantly. We've brought in you know new people in sports science and health. We've brought in new people around mental health and welfare. None of those or a lot of those roles didn't exist pre Brad Scott. So I I just don't think that our decision makers at the time set up Brent. Ben Rutten to be successful one way or another um, through not necessarily through any fault, but, but perhaps just a little bit of naivety that, uh, that it was all just going to click in place because Rutten had been at a successful club previously. Right. Right. Yeah. And I would say you could make the, uh, a pretty valid argument that there wasn't a club in the comp that made more significant changes to their list in terms of veteran players. Now, there were a lot of clubs that brought in some, a lot of first-year players, but in terms of bringing in veteran players who have made an impact in other clubs, you guys certainly brought in, you know, you know, bringing in Xavier Dersma. And I, I, I'm not sure what the, uh, what Ladbrokes is saying the over-under is on the number of arrows he's going to shoot out of the MCG this year. But, uh, you know, but, um, you know, you know, you wonder, you know, you know Ben McKay, 
I think North was probably very okay with you signing him on, realizing they were going to be getting, I think it was pick three in the draft in, in place of him. Um, you know, it's, uh, and you know, you know, Jay Both Gresham and, and Gresham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jay Gresham is no slouch. And, you know, you wonder, you wonder how much, you know, Todd Goldstein still has left in the tank, but if nothing else, that that's it. That's a player right there that that brings a a wealth of experience that that he can bestow upon somebody like a Sam Draper, you know, who's Draper think, you know, probably. I'm not sure if, if Todd Goldstein in his youth was as fluid a player as Sam Draper is, you know, Sam Draper moves extraordinarily well. But there are probably other aspects of the game that maybe Draper does not do as well right now that uh, that Goldstein can kind of, you know, give him some some inside yeah. baseball, if you will, as we would have said here in the U.S. if I was still watching baseball. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Sam Draper is a real enigma and uh, a bit of a talisman when he's up and about and, and excited, uh, you know, his teammates feed off it. And so does the crowd, you know, and, and a certain crowd can get really loud when when Sam Draper's, you know, doing things on a football field. Mm-hmm. But what he doesn't have a lot of is that genuine ruck craft. And I think the change in in ruck rules this year to allow that that's, you know, sort of straight arm fend off in the ruck contest will really suit a ruckman like Todd Goldstein and and to have uh, not not just Draper, but also Nick Bryan, who uh, is another talented young ruckman on our list and, and Vigo Vesentini as well, who we, we picked up in the rookie draft, to have them learn from you know, one of the the more resilient and and outstanding ruckmen of the last you know sort of ten years, I think is right, a, is right. a big win. But uh, yeah, I, I you know we've obviously recruited well. We've got we've got four players who can come in straight away and and, and should be able to have an impact. I, I think what people probably skim over is that we we did also lose some experience. Goldstein uh, replaces Andrew Phillips, who you know hasn't hadn't played 300 games but you know he was still in his his early 30s so it's an experienced ruckman for an experienced ruckman right, right. um james stewart uh who was sort of 27 or 28 we we delisted him uh, you know mainly because he just couldn't keep himself fit and, and on the park and and of course Sir thatcher went across to port adelaide so uh, ben mckay that's, that's a significant uh, loss yeah 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 he was starting to play some really good football so so mckay comes in and replaces him. And, and I think structurally he is an upgrade on Zerk Thatcher. It would have been nice to have both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we brought back McDonald, Tip and Woody last year and and that didn't work on field, but I think it added a lot of value off field. And of course, Gresham then replaces him. So, and then, you know, Will Snelling was a sort of a senior player as well who who was delisted and, and Dersma comes in and, and almost takes that that yeah. role or, or that list position. So I don't think our, our age profile has changed a whole lot, but I do think what we've done is is added some quality and, and upgrades to to what we had previously. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the you know at your at the list, and by the end of the season, you will have only five players who are on the north side of thirty, and yeah. one of those is you know Todd Goldstein, um, you know, Heppel, Jake Stringer, Dylan Shield, and you know and String, you know Jake Stringer when he's healthy, he's great, but it's it. He's he's sometimes a little bit like a Lamborghini, you know, that when it when it when it's tuned up right, it runs it's a lot of fun to drive, but it spends a lot of time in the garage, if you will. Yeah, that's a, a really good comparison. He's a he's a frustrating player for us and fans because we when we see the best of him, it, it's mm-hmm. really exciting and he has a big influence. He had a great game against uh 
against your side, the Cats, at the MCG last year, uh, where he played as a midfielder for the whole game, which was, you know, we haven't really seen from him. We've seen him have bursts, but uh, that was probably the best game he's played in in Essendon Colours. Uh, but we just don't see enough of it. The reports are that he's he's had a good preseason. I think mentally he's he's starting to get himself right, which which perhaps was the the big barrier for him. And yeah, let touch wood for Essendon fans' sake that we can see, you know. 16, 17, 18 games or more from him this year and 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 good games as well. I think that would be that would be huge for the for the side. I think if 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 he plays that many, I think that definitely bodes well for the bombers. It's uh, you know, he is you know, I don't well, let me ask you this. Does the success of the bombers Adam, it wouldn't be solely resting on his availability but does does his availability to put in those 17 or 18 games as you mentioned do you think that that has more to do with the club's success than many other players being available for 17 or 18 games uh yeah it's a good question more than likely i would say i i think what we've done through the the changes to our list and and i've I've made this this comment elsewhere before is it's improved our floor. We, we've added some guys who, in you know, Durs, McGresham, Mackay, and, and Goldstein, who can come in and 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 have an impact straight away. They're they're upgrades on what we had previously, and and, mm-hmm. and I do think that that should help to reduce some of the or minimise some of the inconsistencies we saw last season and, and in previous years, and then also uh, help alleviate the drop off that we saw at the end of last year because we were we were pretty consistent for the first 16 or so games of the season, but then, then dropped off quite substantially. What I still don't know. And I think it's the $60 million question for Essen fans is what our ceiling and upside is. And, and that's going to depend on Jake Stringer, you know, refinding right. his best football on a consistent level, but then also some of our, our younger players who have now played, you know, 40 to 60 games being able to take the next step and, and you know, guys like Nick Martin and, and Archie Perkins, who have shown real glimpses of being mm-hmm. high-end players, and even Ben Mackay, who we've brought across from North Melbourne, you know, he he's one of the the better intercepting, marking key defenders in the competition. Uh, but you know, last year was really his his first sort of full season. Uh, uh, you know, staying on the park, he's had some injury concerns. So I, I think if those guys can can take their game to the next level and and prove themselves to be among the best players in their positions, then then yeah, maybe that ceiling gets a little bit higher for us. Well, I I mean, I I do have really good news for you, and I don't even know if you've thought about this or not, but you know, that's you know, Ben McKay is going to be able to play twenty two games this year. He's gonna he's gonna get twenty two games this year because you only play Carlton once, and <laughs> you know we yeah. we've never seen Harry and Ben in the same place at the same time. You know it you know it's so you know, since you don't double up with them, he's going to be able to play 22 out of your 23 games this year, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. Or he might play 23 uh, plus finals, of course. And, uh, well, there you and, go. Harry, yes, and yeah. Harry misses that would, that would be even better if we could get that, it that way. Oh, that's yes. That actually would be better. Wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. It'd okay. Work. You know, that's a, that's a really, okay. That is, I should have thought of it that way. Yeah. That's uh yeah. Cause I mean, do they do they even have like their their photos in the same like uh, like school yearbook? I mean, did they did they keep one of those kids home from school each day and just 
you know, or each time they took pictures for the school yearbook that they never got posted in there. That's it. Yeah, that, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, isn't it, to come yeah. this far through their career and, and not have come up against one another. I, I know they both had slow starts to their career, didn't they? But I, yeah. I guess it's, it's been a bigger issue for Ben more recently than it has for Harry. Uh, so yeah, well, yeah, hopefully we, uh, we get that opportunity to see how they go against one another. So what is a, I'm going to ask you both sides of this coin here, but what is, what is a successful year for the bombers going to look like in 2024? You know, if you, you know, you get to the end of the season, what, what you go, okay, whether you, whether you win the grand final, whether you, you make finals, you don't make finals, whatever the case may be, what, what, what are you going to look at and go, okay, that was good. That worked out well for us. Like, where's that, where's that ceiling, if you will, or that floor? Yeah, I, I think it's just to expand on, on almost what I, I mentioned just before, it's, it's eliminating those, those drop-offs and, mm-hmm. and, Essendon in recent years, we, we've seen them in games. You know, we'll have a really good foot, a quarter of football and then put into really poor ones. Uh, it's improvement uh, or, or an improved consistency and, and reduced drop-offs from week to week because we've, we've done that as well. You know, we, we'd have a, a really good performance, play a, a really good side and, and play well and, and get a win and then and then lose a game the next week that we would expect that, that we should have been able to, to get up and win. And then, of course, across across the season. So I think if we can reduce those drop offs and and improve our level of consistency, then then that would be a really success, a, a really strong success. And you know, we won eleven games last year, and, and I know we we had a couple of extra gimme games in, in that we played West Coast and and uh, and North Melbourne twice. But it, it probably doesn't take a lot of improvement to to add an extra win or two to to push into the top eight. Um, but you know, of course, we there's, there's 18 teams right now that that would be backing themselves to improve. So yeah, so I think I think that's the the main one for me is is just reducing those drop offs and and getting an improved consistency, and then also seeing a, a better defensive effort. One of the you know to put a stat on it, I'm I'm really keen to see us reduce the number of inside fifties that we concede, and and I think that will be an indicator that our our pressure around the football. Uh, and around the contest and then our defensive structure has improved if, if we can reduce the, the ultimately the number of scoring opportunities that we're giving our our opposition and, and then hopefully that manifests itself into an extra you know two or three wins along the way I think Makai will certainly help out with that you know I'm just rolling through your the results from last year I mean you had a lot of you know two game streaks three game streaks that result there was only a couple of instances where you either lost only one game before you won your next one, because you won four out of the first five and then you dropped four in a row. Yep. And then you won four in a row and dropped a couple and won one and lost three and, you know, and then two and two. It just, it was, it was the whole season of streaks. There were, there was, there were spurts of consistency, but it didn't, yep. it wasn't, this is going to sound really silly, but we, we had a guy here. And in fact, I just referenced him in school today. Uh, uh, it was a baseball player named uh, Yogi Berra, who's since passed away. He was a Hall of Famer from the 50s, but he would always say these these weird things, you know, things like, you know, you know, nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded uh, or, you know, go to other people's funerals. And otherwise, they won't come to yours. Just things that you when you that sound silly on the surface. But when you delve into them, they, they kind of make a little bit of sense. But, you know, you ne- you never really got that those streaks going there you didn't have those you know the big ebbs and 
in valleys there. And I was going to make a really good point mentioning Yogi Berra, but, uh, and I completely lost it because that's what happens when you get old. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, I don't know where that was going. And I, I thought it was going to be a really brilliant point that I was going to make there. And I completely that, that, forgot that's okay. what it was. Okay. Oh my and, God. and look, I think that's the the trap when you do have, you know, Brad Scott played a lot of younger players last year and, and you don't get that consistent performance. And not only did he play them, he played them in, in key roles as well. Mm-hmm. So he, he wasn't afraid to, to use, you know, the, the young players in, in important roles. So, you know, that, that's the trade-off when you're getting games into young players is you do see that, that drop in performance. And then he also gave opportunities to guys. And and some of those are guys that are no longer on our list to, to see what role he could find for them. And, 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 you know, they ultimately weren't up to it, but he did need to, to look at his list and see what he had available to make some decisions on, on how we move forward. And, and I think there were, there was some trade off there, and and then I think we probably spooked ourselves a little bit. Uh, we we went into the season not expecting a great deal. I think we we beat the Crows in what was it round fourteen or fifteen, and and got to fifth on the ladder, and and I think that that maybe changed some of the thinking, and we started to bring some players back who who perhaps we shouldn't have. Draper came back too soon. Mm-hmm. Stringer came back too soon, uh, and and got re injured. So uh, yeah, I, I think we just had a, a bit of a it was a quite a bipolar season, I think. And, um, and we got ourselves a little bit stuck there towards the end. Yeah. Cause at the end you lost, you know, you lost five out of the last seven and the two yeah. games that you, the two games that you won were by a combined 10 points against the Eagles and the Roos. So yeah, it's, right. yeah, well, you got the eight points for those games. That was neither, neither one of those wins were ones that you would probably brag a whole heck of a lot about, you know, it's, no. uh, yeah, but you know, and that's, I mean, that's a great point. And, you know, your young, your, your youngsters got you to that point. And it's almost like, you, do you just let them keep playing and not, not let them, re- maybe they don't notice how big the situation actually is. If they just, you know, keep, keep going through the, keep going through week to week, naive and going, Oh, yeah, we got another win. All right. Don't look at the ladder. Don't look at the ladder. Don't see where you are right now. Just keep playing. You're playing well. Oh, him, he's not quite healthy enough yet. And yeah, you're doing you're doing a great job. Yep, we got another win. Keep on going. And then at the end, you go, hey, look at this. You guys get to play one more game here. You know, if, if, if they had, you know, been able to do that. So it's but you know, being able to put those games into the young kids and you know, having jettisoned some of the older players that you did from your list and then refreshing it with some ready-made players you know basically 20 percent of your starting 18 you're bringing in new this year if you will you know that that's if goldstein plays on a consistent basis it's not just like a you know, a player training coach if you will but uh yep. you know this could this could really really work out well for you yeah we played our first uh practice match against an opposition today and and all four of those recruits are playing uh, along with zach reed who who will, you know, come in and play a key defensive role alongside Ben Mackay. Right, right. And he's been on our list for, it's been, this will be his fourth year in the system, but he's only played the eight games and, um, and has, you know, suffered with some stress fracture injuries. So he, uh, you know, it's almost, he's almost a new recruit as well, given that he didn't play uh, any footy really last year, a few games in the VFL. So, 
it, it is a big turnover and a, and a big change. It's yeah, almost a quarter of of the side will be brand new, so that's going to take a little bit of time to bed in, I think. But yeah, the, these two practice games, the Saints today, and then think, against your yeah. team next week, uh, well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those players start to gel with the rest of the group. And that's it. Uh, that's actually at a. I'll watch probably watch some of that before I go to bed today. That's on at ten. That's on at ten p.m. our time. Because okay. the, the cats were the cats were on last night, I believe it's seven thirty in the evening, live here. Okay. That okay, uh, prime time. Not 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 that I would you know advocate this because I don't think that fans in the AFL would appreciate it. But on the east coast of the United States, if they would like to play some more eleven thirty in the morning starts, I would be all for it. That was absolutely <laughs> wonderful to be able to sit here. At seven thirty at night, with you know, with a bowl of popcorn, and you know, fiddle around with you know, editing one one episode of the podcast while I was watching it on the other screen. That was that was awesome. That was absolutely awesome yeah, to be able I, to do that. I don't think you're going to see too many of those no, in in no. the home and away season, will you? No. But I, uh, if they would want to do that, and again, I'm I'm not going to be that uh, that that American that's going to say, "Well, you darn it, you need to change the schedules to make it more convenient." For, no, I'm, that's not me. That's not me. I'll, I, I like coffee. I, I don't mind getting up in the middle of the night to watch the cats play. I'll watch, I'll watch the other games on delay, but you know, I'll get up to watch the cats, even if it's at, you know, three o'clock in the morning start time, I'm up to watch. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a big commitment. Yeah. It's uh makes for a long day at school the next day though, but uh, I still do get up to watch. So, so which one of those four, or, or, or let me just ask you, okay, let me broaden it then. Which one of those four or any of the other new players, whether it be, you know, an, you know, Nate Caddy or uh, an, is it Luamon Luol? I don't, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Yep. Did I get it right? Yeah, no, I think you got that so, right. So, you know, who is going to make the biggest impact or have the biggest impact on this club this year, do you think? Yeah, I, it's hard to 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 keep it down to, to just one. So uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit and, and go to, I think... Ben Mackay is the, is the obvious one. You know, we we've been ragdolled by big key forwards consistently for a long time, and uh, and you know, so he him to come in and and play on the likes of Tom Hawkins, who mm-hmm. you know most Essendon fans go to bed at night and and get cold shivers thinking about him, uh, is, is a big win. And you know, he played obviously in a pretty poor North Melbourne team last year that that got well beaten by by Geelong down at Cadinia Park, but he held. Hawkins to three goals and and I think of those uh one of them came out of a, a ruck contest as as Hawkins likes to do one of those mm-hmm. ones where he grabs it out from a throw in and, and snapped it over his shoulder yeah. up against North Melbourne's ruckman and then uh, you know he got a a couple of little cheap ones from general play so he didn't actually at any point in the game Hawkins out Mark Mackay and and do what he did to Zerk Thatcher last year on on multiple occasions. So I think he's going to impact our ability to to defend better uh, and and compete against those really big forwards, but also just structurally help us. And then I think the other one is is Jade Gresham. I think uh, I, you know I've taken the time to watch a fair bit of uh, St Kilda footage over the the summer here, and I'm really impressed by his football smarts and his ability to. To, to get up and down the ground and, and get involved both defensively and offensively. And, and he's a really good runner. He He's really clean uh, at ground level and in traffic. And, and they're just traits that we haven't had. And he's also really smart at knowing when to 
to sort of cheat forward and duck out the back and get on his own and, and like really good small forwards can and, mm-hmm. and find a goal, but also really good on, on knowing when to get out of the way and, and, and create paths for, you know, in this case, Peter Wright or Kyle Langford or, or somebody else. So I think those two uh, will really have a big impact on, on how we play um, and, and improving some of the real deficiencies that we've had in the past. Okay. Okay. And, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at you. Well, let me, I need to ask this as the follow-up because I didn't ask it to you before. What are going to be the signs that you're looking for where you get that lump in the pit of your stomach and go, "Uh Oh, we've seen this before. This is not going well. What, what, and, and hope, and and you don't want to see them, but if you do see them, what are going to be the things that are going to make you go? Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's probably, Two, there's there's the ease at which we give up goals within games. So if we're starting to see that creep in on a consistent level, okay. so whether that's teams, you know, waltz out of a centre bounce without any real competition um, and and score, or the the coast to coast, you know, kick into the other end of the ground or intercept mark in our forward line and and go really quickly down the other end consistently then I, I think that's going to be a sign that some of the things aren't working. And then it's uh, it's just those those long runs of momentum that we've not been able to stop in the past and 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 seemingly just had a large group of players who were prepared to spectate and and not do too much about it. So I think if we if we see those things creep in, then then yeah, I'll start to get really nervous. Okay, okay, because that's one of the things you'd mentioned a little bit ago is that one of the goals was to cut down on the number of defensive inside fifties. You wanted you know keep the ball out of the forward, you know, the defensive structure yeah. as much as you possibly can and reduce that. So, okay, yeah. um, you know, looking at you know the the start of the season, it, it's it's a bit of a you know you've got you know. Three clubs that played finals last year. You start off with Hawthorne, then you've got Sydney. Well, and of course, you know, folks in Adelaide. When as soon as they listen to this, go Sydney plays finals. They're gonna they're gonna swear at their their phone or their computer wherever they're listening to this because they're gonna say Sydney should have been playing finals. Um, Because yeah, because you think about it, they they got two, and I completely spaced on this, but uh, somebody had mentioned it to me before um, that uh, that they. that somebody that was working on the, uh, you know, doing the, the interchange count for the club, for their club. And I said, well, I'm glad you weren't the one that does, you know, does that for North Melbourne because the pre, you know, it was like the week before or two weeks yeah. before the game with Adelaide, you know, Sydney got that so, free kick out of that. So, I mean, they, they basically, you could argue they got, they got eight points, the interesting way. And this is not yeah. to take anything away from Sydney, uh, but uh, you know, they, they got them, but uh, you know, there are other folks that, question whether or not they should have had them if you will um but you know so you got you got hawthorne you got sydney you got st kilda port and then the bulldogs so and that that's that that club right there is a bit of an enigma i mean that's that's a club that could could be a top four side or they could be sitting at number 14 you know you just don't know with them so what are you hoping to see in terms of a a record on the ladder after those first five rounds what you know, as far as starting out the season, or do you not worry too much about how you start out? Yeah, I, I, we've got a trip to to Adelaide uh, mm-hmm. after that as well in in round six to to play the Crows. So it's it, it's a 
it's a tough draw for for us. Uh, you know, we we should expect to beat Hawthorne, and uh, you know, I would hope that that we can beat them well, given the the injuries that are, are starting to mount for them. And and so that's a game that that we should be confident about winning. We haven't typically had a, a great record in interstate over recent years, but uh, other than a couple of, of really poor games, we we typically match up well against the Swans and, and have some really close battles, whether it's in Sydney or in, in Melbourne. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that's a game that we should be competitive in. And then, you know, the Saints obviously improved a lot last year, but, you know, we had a really close game against them earlier in the year. Uh, so, look, I think if we can get through the first six weeks of the year at a, a 50% strike rate, then I think we would be happy that we've we've got a, a building block then to to take us forward in the season. Uh, but I, I think within that, the, the key is going to be that that the losses aren't significant losses and mm-hmm. and that we we are playing a pretty consistent brand of, of football throughout that and um and then yeah i think if we see that we'll, we'll be pretty satisfied six weeks in i mean and I, you know I'm, I'm looking at the ladder from last year um you won 11 you lost 12 but the number that is the most glaring thing on there was the percentage which uh you know, was lower than the other, you know, top 14 teams on the ladder. And the Hawks, you know, only won seven games and they were only nine points behind you on the ladder. So how do you ensure that you're going to be able to put, you know, and again, again, this could be a combination, as you said, you know, keeping the ball out of the defensive 50, but how do you add another 15 to 20 points to that percentage? So, even if you're in that battle, because I think I think if you sat down and, and maybe you've done your ladder predictions already, but you started to figure out who could play finals, you could make an argument for probably 14 teams to make the top eight this year. So how how do you how what needs to happen for Essendon to improve that percentage to make sure that they're not getting left out because of a, a deficit in that situation? Yeah, I, I mean, round seventeen last year, we we beat the Crows. We were fifth on the ladder. We had a percentage of one hundred and seven, and one hundred and seven is not great, but it it's still there or thereabouts, wasn't it? And, and at the time, you know, St Kilda was in the eight. Their percentage was below us, and the Bulldogs mm-hmm. were in the eight. Their percentage was below us, and I think only the Crows, maybe the Swans outside the eight, had had better percentage. So we were in a healthy enough position at that stage of the year with games against West coast and, and North Melbourne to come where we should have been looking to, to capitalize and, and improve our percentage uh, along with getting those wins. But, but of course what happened was we snuck in against those two teams and then copped some real hammerings against GWS and Collingwood, but also I think, I think we played Geelong again in that, bracket um yeah i think um and then the bulldogs as well yeah there you go and and the bulldogs as well we there were some and and i i think you're acknowledging this there were some ugly losses towards the end of the season and was that certainly was and you know going back to what you said where you know he brought some some players back who might have been a little little underdone but of of the younger players that were still left behind that were that were playing each week do you think that they just kind of ran out of petrol. Do you think that they were running on fumes at that point in time? 
Yeah, I, I do think so. And, and you know, that, that sounds like an excuse, doesn't it? But I, I think the reality is... Well, it, can, it can be an excuse, but it could be a... Rea- yeah, exactly. You said it can yeah, be a reality. It's a, it's a reason, rather. It, it shouldn't be an excuse, but it's definitely a reason for it. And, and Brad Scott said a lot, you know, since our best and fairest last year uh, and and then through this preseason that mm-hmm. that our standards and and our uh, across the board and and the lifestyle that our players uh, you know not necessarily every single player on the list but enough of them just wasn't at an an elite level and i think that impacts things like recovery and then your ability to then go out and train and train well and improve your fitness base and then how you come into the the following game so I think you know by the time we rolled around to round 18 all of the the lack of high performance standards from the preseason through mm-hmm. the rest of the season just just really caught up with us and then a couple of selection decisions we think yeah you, you just mentioned we played Geelong in round 18 I think I'm pretty sure that was the game that Jake Stringer came back into the side so we beat Adelaide, who were performing really well, albeit on our home deck, without him, and then brought him back against the Cats. Uh, and and you know he was he was largely a spectator and, and and couldn't really get out of first gear. So I think it was just a yeah, it really was just a sum of those parts that that saw that drop off. And and I think we're we've been a team that's really needed confidence and momentum and. When we have it, we look really good. As soon as we lose it, it, it seemed to have taken a long while for us to get it back, and and we just didn't have enough time in the season or enough soldiers uh, to to make that happen. Okay, okay. So, you know, looking at uh, at this year, what what is a bold prediction that you want to make about? the bombers that other people might just kind of take a they might take a pause and go, Oh, okay. That's uh that is a bold, bold idea there. What is what is that thing that you that you think is gonna happen that other people may be thinking, no, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, I, I do think that we'll all, all things being equal, and, and that is that we get a good run with injuries and and keeping our better players on the path throughout the season. Uh I, I do think that we we should expect to play finals this year, and I think we're being written off by a lot of people already. I do think that we'll be a harder side to play against. I think we'll have a, a harder edge to us. We'll be more competitive. We'll be more fierce at the contest. I think our our pressure and defensive mechanisms will all improve. So I think it'll be a different looking Essendon side when opposition fans go to the footy this year that that might surprise. And I do think that we'll see some players that have been on the periphery really start to to elevate their games. And, um, you know, I think Archie Perkins is a player who's primed to to really take the next step and elevate himself. And uh, the other one too, who's not necessarily been on the periphery, he's, he's been All-Australian and and maybe barring injury would have been last year, uh, was Darcy Parrish. I think we'll see him, uh, you know, start to, to, you know, not necessarily be considered in conversations with the very best players of the, of the competition, but certainly some of those elite midfielders. I think he'll he'll um, he'll start to enter into those conversations. And I was just looking at the uh, looking at your fixture for this year, and I, yeah, I jotted down who it is that you're playing twice. But you only you only leave Melbourne six times this year. That's yeah, that's so right. Who, who do you think you guys are, Collingwood? <laughs> yeah, we, we don't quite have the um the MCG games that, that the right, Pies exactly, do, but exactly. yeah, and and that's why that start of our season's important for us, isn't it? Because 
It's a tough first six weeks with three games interstate and, and as you said, a, a number of finalists from last year or, yeah. or would be finalists with yeah. the Bulldogs and the Crows. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, yeah getting getting three out of those six and, and, and a percentage that's still intact, uh, you know, I think would be a good outcome with, with then, you know, I don't think there's necessarily any easy games, but a, a more manageable fixture thereafter, we, mm-hmm. we should have some some confidence out of that. So the season comes to an end in 2024 for the Bombers. Whenever that happens, whatever round that happens to to occur, uh, what is the headline in the paper about the Bombers the day after their season ends? Yeah, okay. That's a good one. Uh, I... I think it will be words to the effect of it it was fun while it lasted. I, I think we'll see a more enjoyable team to watch this year. I yeah, so I what that manifests to in wins, I'm I'm not sure yet, but I, I do think we'll be particularly for Essendon fans, will be more enjoyable to watch because they're gonna see that harder competitive edge and, and I think there'll be some pride restored among Essendon fans in in their football club. Okay. So you're probably going to be doing your ladder predictions on your show as well. There's, I don't know if you want to to dig into this, but who do you see besides yourselves? Do you see anybody else jumping into the eight or who are you? Who do you think is going to be, be replaced by you in the eight? Since evidently somebody has to drop out for you to come in. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. I, I think the, I think the, the Bulldogs, you touched on it, can go one of two ways, can't they? They so they they just finished out, and I think the Crows clearly are a team that are that are on the march. Uh, and then Geelong and, and Gold Coast are the other two teams that are, are maybe a little bit hard to get a read on on just now as to to how they'll improve. I, I haven't had an opportunity to watch their uh, their practice games just yet either. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably the core group that. That would I, I think would be have aspirations out of the eight to to then uh, to then jump in. I think that that Port could be vulnerable. They've made some list changes. I think they had some uh, some wins last year that uh, I, it's probably not a, such a thing as a lucky win, but but they you know they they won some games that that really could have gone either way. Who knows with Melbourne, with everything that's happening there, and and right, right. you know their recent history. I I can see a world where they're they're playing on Grand Final day, and I can also see a world where they're you know they end up with the fifth pick in the draft because they yeah. drop, drop right yeah. off. Uh, it could go either way, and you know I I don't think teams like Carlton, St Kilda, uh, or Sydney are that far up ahead of us, and and, okay. and it could be a roll of the dice. We, you know we only just lost to the Saints last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we only just lost to the Swans last year. So, you know, had we beaten the Swans, they missed the finals and we end up, I think, two points out, it, it would have been. So, uh, you know, it, it is a close competition. Um, so, yeah. 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 Which, which I think that's exactly what the AFL wants. And, uh, you know, and, and I think, and while I don't think they will admit it, I think what they what the AFL would really like to see happen this year is that Gold Coast plays finals. I I think that just from an economics standpoint, 
so they can say, see, this is why we have pumped that money into this organization. See, this yeah. is what they can become. Yeah, that's right. I, I, you know, they, they made some mistakes with their initial list build, didn't they? they? They probably went too much for the superstar type of player, whereas GWS really went about building a, a mm-hmm. stable and cohesive list. And I think I saw during the week that GWS have just ticked over to 25,000 members, which you know, people in Victoria might laugh at given you've got some clubs now that are over 100,000. But right, right. I, I remember when Essendon got to 25,000 members and it wasn't that long ago. You know, we're talking... Mm-hmm. 15 or 20 years ago so it, it took victorian clubs decades and decades you know 70 80 100 years to get to that mark so yeah i, I think i think the suns need success to, yeah. to really be yeah. able to take their their whole club to the next level i don't know whether they're going to be able to find that this year and improve as much as some of the other teams that that just right, missed right. The eight last year are going to but uh it, it would be you know i'm I'm an Essendon man, but I'm a I'm a footy fan, and I'd mm-hmm. I'd love to see them there for the health of the competition. Yeah, I, I I would too. I think it would be awesome for the game. Yeah. So, um, are you ready to tackle some Essendon trivia before we close this thing out? Yeah, I'm nervous. Okay, I I pro- I promise there is there is not a single question that asks you who was sitting in row six, seat four of you know round 21 of the 1996 you know that nothing like that okay uh by the way his his name was steve by the way Uh, (laughs) very good (laughs) so yeah i shared with you the the list of uh you know of of what i did last year um but and a couple of the questions i i've changed a little bit but a couple of them i just updated for this year so the first one i did not change so these players, all these seven players, all of whom played at least 17 games, averaged at least 20 disposals for the club last year. Uh, so it would have been, so Parrish, Merritt, Shield, I think snuck in there. Shield did not. Ooh, okay. He was, he was close. He was, I think he was at like 19.9, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, 19 point- Martin. Martin, yep. How many have I known? Parrish, got, Merritt, Yeah, you Martin. got Parrish, Merritt, and Martin, yep. Heppel. Heppel's one, yep. Ridley. Yep, two more. Two more. Redman. Uh-huh. And... And I always pronounce this one wrong. I'm I'm not sure whether that helps or hinders me. <laughs> uh, McGrath. There you go. There you got him. You got him. Yeah, not too all bad. Of them. One mistake. Yeah. Well, but you but you got the, you got all seven though. You, you know, you took you know you yeah. took seven steps forward and one step back. So that you you got that one. So I'm I'm happy with that. After Matthew Lloyd's 926 goals, who were the three bombers to kick more than 500 goals in their career? Yeah, so Simon Madden, he would be number two on the list. Mm-hmm. He was so Matthew Lloyd took the mantle from him. Uh Holman just. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, which is remarkable given he only played the 94 games. And 
Wait, okay, I guess I have not researched. John Coleman only played 94 games and kicked 537 yeah, no, goals? 94 or, or 96 games, yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Now, I didn't I didn't dig that far into that then. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, yeah, if I had a time machine and could go back to, to any Essendon era, it would certainly be to go and see John Coleman play. It must mm-hmm. have been a hell of an experience. Uh, the Is Paul Simon the other one? Yes, that is. 520, yep. That's right. So you're two for two. You're two for not two so here. That's, that's not so bad at all. Um, and this is this is my favorite statistic in the game. Okay. And, and as somebody who did stats, I, I'd love to get your take on this. But uh, this player averaged 7.31 percenters per game for the club last year. Ooh, okay. I think that is likely to be Zerk Thatcher. It is. It is. And I I just I love that statistic. That that whole that whole the whole idea of that stat. It's it's kind of like a uh it's kind of like making a uh a boulia base or a stew or something like that of statistics. You just put you just pile them all in there and mix it up and it's you know it's it's it, I, I always say that it's kind of like the the Spike Lee movie, the do the right thing statistic. That you've done what yeah. needed to be done, and you know we're going to credit you for it instead of just saying, "Hey, that's a really good job." We're going to put it in this category right here. That's kind of a a collection of things, a bit of a catch-all. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's a wonderful statistic. Yeah, yeah. So this 18 game player led the club with 469 meters gained per game. Nick Martin. No. You have mentioned him previously, though, in the oh, questions. Okay. In, in the questions, you have yes, which is a big hint because he's not. This is not one of the guys that kicked five hundred goals, uh, <laughs> so it really limits your options there. <laughs> okay, so it, uh, Mason Redmond, no Darcy, Darcy Parish, Darcy Parish. Okay, yep, yep. that would no. surprise a lot of Essendon fans. I think there's there's your only question you're going to get wrong right there. Okay, there it's, it's the only one. That's the only one because I, I have a feeling you're going to get these other ones. Okay. These two players who played 23 and 22 games led the club with over 91% time on ground. Uh, okay. So they would have been defenders. Yep. And I, well, instinctively, I was going to say Ridley, but it won't be him because he got concussed early against Port and then got injured against the Dogs. So he that would have brought his time on ground down, I expect. So Jaden Laverde and Zerk Thatcher. Zerk Thatcher is one. Okay. Laverde is not the other. Um, right. McGrath. Kyle Langford. Kyle Langford. Oh, wow. Yep. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, they were both a little over 91%. Yep. Okay. Okay, now this was this was interesting and I as Matthew Lloyd only played 3 games in 2006. He only played 3 games in 2006. Which player broke his streak and led the Bombers in goals kicked in 2006? Scott Lucas. Bingo. Yes. Yeah. Kicked 67 that year. And he kicked four, I think it said 475 in his career. So he was no slouch either. 
No, and in that played a couple of seasons at centre half back as well. Um, so Sheedy decided just to freshen him up a little bit and give him a bit of a different role. I think he's one of the unheralded unheralded heroes of, mm-hmm. of that era who who kind of got forgotten a little bit because of Matthew Lloyd and, and James Hurd and how good they were. And, and then you could certainly get lost with those names floating about. Yeah, you certainly could. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this player. If things go according to plan, this player should play his 250th game for the Bombers in round 15 this year. Dyson Hebel? Is mm-hmm. it? Yep. It is. Yeah. Last, it is. It's yeah. snuck up. Uh, okay. Yep. Now, I, I had to word this question in this way. So trust me on this, okay? Okay. So, some people like to talk about streaks when it comes to the Bombers. Yes, I do as well, but not in that way. So I wanted to ask you how long and when did Essendon enjoy their longest winning streak? Well, it it must be 2000. Hmm. It was. And it was 20 wins, wasn't it? Round one to round 20. Yeah. Lost to the the one game to the Bulldogs. Exactly. Yes. I... I am I am not mentioning that uh that one Twitter account. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. I, I, I'm yeah. not mentioning it. Yeah. See? There yeah. you go. Um well fired. Now it's 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 you know, the the principal or if you will, the headmaster of the school where I teach, I uh I introduced him to footy and he's really become a big footy fan and he is an Essendon supporter. Oh great. So he's. I I told him that I was doing this uh, discussion tonight. So he was very excited about that. And I told him I said, "Don't don't get too excited because it'll be at least a week before you get to hear it because I have five or six ahead of it yet that I still need to edit." So, yep. um, I did see that you had a new episode that just came out in the last day or so. But uh, where can people find Don the Stat, and where can they follow you on your socials if they if they want to do that? And if, especially if you're an SM supporter and you haven't done so yet, they certainly should. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Don the Stat on Google should find out our various profiles, but we're we're Don the Stat on Facebook. Not that we use that a lot. Uh, I'm Jonathan J Walsh on Twitter, and Ian, my co-host, is Kiptastic One on Twitter. So you can find us there. Uh, and then, yeah, Don the Stat on on any good or or even some pretty bad podcast apps. You can <laughs> you can find us through there um, as well. So, uh, yeah, we're we're around. We we shouldn't be too hard to find. Okay, and I will put links for all of those. I'll put links for your your X or your Twitter on there as well. You said is Thank it Kiptastic like K I P T A S T I C one? Yeah, that's the one. Okay, the number one or the letter one. The number one. Okay. So I'll, I will put that on there as well. Um, so folks can give you a follow. Um, any bold prediction about the comp in general before we go here? And I've, you're the first person I've asked that question to. So what do you, what is the thing you think is going to happen this year that, that people are going to, you know, are going to be excited to see? I think there'll be an increase in scoring. I, I think it, it's the game starting to open up more. There's different game styles now that for a while their teams were following the Richmond slash Melbourne method of really trying to lock the game down. And I think Collingwood and Brisbane in particular have bought a new way uh, mm-hmm. to, to go about those things where you still prioritise defence, but you, you're you able to to not 
necessarily do it at the the sacrifice of offense as well. So I think we'll see the game start to open up and, and more goals scored. And and that's that's even with Ross Lyon being a senior coach again. Yeah, there's always an exception to the rule, isn't there? But you know, even the Saints probably scored a bit more than than yeah. typical Ross well, Lyon teams uh, of the past. That's true. That's true. And yeah. and and you go back and you look at that. I mean, they were doing it with smoke and mirrors to start out the year last year when they had as many injuries as they had. I mean, it was that's right. That might have been the most impressive thing that happened last year. You know, the Pies had a phenomenal year, but the fact that that St. Kilda was able to stay afloat with as many of their big names out as they did was just was amazing. Um, yeah, they did so, a great job. Yeah, I, Jono, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day today. This was awesome. I truly appreciate it. I hope you had, I hope you enjoyed this as well. No, my absolute pleasure. It was great fun. Thank you for yeah. inviting me on. And I, and I'm gonna when I go back and I listen to this again, I'm probably going to remember why I was making the reference to Yogi Berra, and I'm gonna really be <laughs> unhappy with myself because, like I said, I just referenced him in. Uh, in school today. And I'll, I'll say, I'll tell you why I do know why I said it in school today, because I had, I was watching the replay of the gold coast and Brisbane, uh, simulation game simulation from last night. And, uh, one of my students was in my classroom before the school day started and she's not much of a sports fan. And she, you know, the kids know that I watch it, but this is a freshman. So she's not seen the game in my classroom yet at all. And she said, what are you watching? I said, well, it's, it's football. She said, no, 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 that's 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 not football. They don't kick the ball in football. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had to try to explain to her this is a different type of football. So that that because that's one of those Yogi Berra things that he would have said, you know, that's what yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of that's where now. I was that's where I was coming from with that then. But uh cool. Well, hey Jono, I appreciate it. I'm glad I remembered that because that uh that was actually a funny story. And I'll be able to share that with her because I'm not telling her anybody who she is or not. But she, when I showed her the Yogi Berra clip, she's like, yeah, that did sound like that. So, well, hey, man. <laughs> all right. And I'll say, I'll actually send you a clip of that real quickly in in, uh, in your inbox on message on Twitter as well. So you can see the guy I was referencing there. So thank you. All right. You bet. That. you bet. Cheers. Thanks, Craig. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Jonathan, hey, appreciate you taking time out of your morning to sit down and chat all things Bombers. I, I think that this is a club that is, uh, despite people liking the idea of being able to poke fun at them and the things we talked about, this streak and that sort of thing, I do think this is a club that is getting really, really close to be a competitive club for a considerable amount of time. So uh, I do want to wish the uh, the Bombers all the best this year. and. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Now, folks, remember, you can find everything related to my podcast over at my website, a yank on the footy at gmail.com. Excuse me, a yank on the footy.com. You can also reach me by email at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. Let's get those in the right places there. Uh, if you're over at my website, again, you can subscribe to the mailing list. Uh, you can leave a review. You can click on that buy me a coffee button if you'd like to do so. If you want to leave a voicemail also, if you have an idea for a guest, maybe you'd be a great guest for the podcast or you know somebody who has a fantastic footy story to tell. I would love to talk to them. So please feel free to reach out and share that information along uh, to me so I can reach out to them and set something up because I love being able to tell the stories of, of folks who absolutely love this game like I do, but have loved it for so much longer. Now, again, like I said, head over there to my website, yankonthefooty.com and, and get signed up on all of that stuff. And that'd be greatly, greatly appreciated. Now, ladies and gentlemen, look out for one another, check up on your friends, get in touch with somebody if you need to talk. 
Uh, all those numbers are in my show notes every single episode. I do hope you'll check those out if you need to do so. Um, I appreciate the kind words from everybody. It's, uh, it is a you know, labor of love that I'm doing this. I absolutely love engaging with all of you uh, involved with the game. And until next time, may your, your double kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. And this has been episode 312. And don't forget again that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or on X, a yank on the 40 podcast on Facebook, a yank on the 40 on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Just look for my name, Craig Wessels. I'm also on Facebook as Craig Wessels as well. But also everything there is on my website, yankonthefooty.com. Give it a share with your friends and family. I'd truly appreciate it. And until next time, cheers. Bye-bye.